Hello, welcome to Love, Food, Hate, Money, the show where we talk about food, how much we love it, and we prove it by spending all of our money on it. I'm going to be your host, Jonah. This is co-host, Courtney. Hey. And let's talk about our beverage for the day. Some warm green tea. Mmm, green tea. With honey that's been sitting in a can for too long and might be metal honey. Yeah, that was not tasting so good. I don't think I'll buy the big tin of honey again. You've all been warned. <laughs> um, yeah, because it's very late and we need to drink some tea and then go to bed. That's <laughs> like a little cup of tea to, to put you down. Yes. Although I think this is caffeinated, but I think we've kind of discovered that drinking a little caffeine before bed makes us both sleep better, so... Could just be the placebo effect. Could just be the Which caffeine addict. That's fine. I think it's the caffeine addict thing where it's like, oh yeah, that's a little hit right before I go to bed. Nice. Yeah, the brain's all like, ooh, I like this. Very nice. I'm trying to think if we had any new food items that we tried recently. We went to Denny's, baby. Oh, that's right. We did go to Denny's. It was. <laughs> we went to a very nice pizza pop-up yep and then we went out with the chef afterwards and, and got the real Denny's. dinner <laughs> Denny's. um it's been years and years since i've been to Denny's. the last time i went to Denny's, i was still working at chipotle and they i remember distinctly saying i don't like Denny's," and them all giving me a, a hard time about it but i went anyway and <laughs> one of them got i got like just dessert i think i just got like a sunday or something like that yeah and then Someone else at the table ordered like a chicken fried something, but they got literal cardboard chicken fried. And I think it's it's worth noting that I I, I use literally, literally right there because I've told that story a couple of times and people are like, oh, yeah, like dry steak. No, it was, it was an piece actual of, piece of cardboard. And I laughed at that person afterward and I went, oh, yeah, so good, huh? <laughs> this time was better. There was no cardboard that was noticeable. I feel like my one of my brothers worked at like a Denny's or an IHOP for like a day and he was like this is awful I don't ever want to do this again it was IHOP if I remember correctly was it Mm -hmm. I don't remember but I also went to an IHOP this week we're really just you just have to go to Waffle House now to complete the Godhead three in one IHOP we've never been to Waffle House IHOP Denny's Waffle Sun we really should do that yeah I mean there's still time there's always time for Waffle House that's the whole gist of it I'm pretty sure (laughs) I was, I just saw an article the other day that was actually talking about, I think it was Denny's. It was Denny's. I saw that article too, where it's like desperately clinging on to 24 hour service. No. So it wasn't that one. There was a previous one that was talking about how, when they decided to close for Christmas, they had to rekey over 700 stores because they hadn't closed and they didn't have like SOPs for closing. Oh, that's. Because it's been 24 hours for however long. And so. That's a weird logistic. They literally didn't have the procedures in place to close the restaurant. Like, we're always open. We've always been open. We've never... Like, could you imagine? And also, like, that's a big operation to have to all of a sudden, like, put all those procedures in place. And also to rekey that many stores. The locksmiths were like, this is wonderful. Thank you for your business. Breakfast, though. I mean, those restaurants are solid because it just is what it is. Like, you're going to get what you ordered, and that's it. Nothing more, nothing less. Your server, you might see him twice. It's a good time. Your server will go on a break that lasts at least 30 minutes, and you'll be like, I guess they're gone. And then they'll show up again, and you go, (laughs) (laughs) 
it was fine. We had a, a Nashville hot, quote unquote, chicken sandwich. It was not spicy. It was like a crispy chicken sandwich with some sort of like spicy ish sauce. Red it was pepper. fine. It was what it was. It was not natural hot chicken, but that's fine. And then there was a, a pumpkin waffle that was delightful. No, it was a pancake. Pumpkin pancake. Pumpkin <laughs> pancakes with pecans and white chocolate chips. And it was very sweet and very it was nice. so sugary. It was very good. Oh, I was thinking we should also give an update on the uh, the advent calendar. I feel like you're burnt out of the little boozy one because you've opened all five of the different kinds that can be in there already. Yeah. That's kind of sad. The the members mark boozy one is is cool, I guess, if you have a full bar already and you're just like, ah, oh, sweet, a little more vodka to add into it <laughs> or a little bit more tequila to add into it. But it gets to a point where we basically just have sparkling waters of various types and sizes. So it's just different types of highballs, quote unquote, where it's like, oh, are we going to mix the lemon one with the tequila? Or are we going to mix the red, oh, blood orange one with the vodka Ooh, so we're out of that one the, the beer, beer one. one's been really interesting it's also fine i don't feel like any of the beers have been done particularly well i think the best one has been the peanut butter porter so far um i'm excited to have just ambiguous cerveza i think that one's fun <laughs> i think i'm going to drink that one with the tequila when it happens because they were both on the 11th i think which i think is incredible because i don't think the same obviously the same company held on to both of these boxes but right. i think the beer is made by a different company than the the sam's club one so i think it's just a very wild funny coincidence that there was tequila and cerveza as the same day well and you have to imagine too that like when they're packing these boxes like it's just randomized like it's not an actual person putting them in it's like a machine i think it's a machine but i don't know if it can be randomized especially for like the beers i guess maybe the beer is less so but I'm excited. I'm going to do my jam and honey calendar tomorrow. I don't know how to say that word. I'm going to open it and then we'll get to eat lots of jam and that will be very good. Oh, yes. I will have to buy some good bread for your good jam. You're going to be at Tracy's this week. You can buy the good bread. Hopefully. So today we thought we'd talk about cookbooks. Yes. Um, Kind of in the spirit of last week and talking about gift giving guides, I feel like cookbooks are something that are we always put them on our Christmas list because it's an easy gift and they come in like different price ranges it's in the price points that people are usually willing to get for people um and I was also yesterday at um Bookman's and looking through their cookbooks and stuff and Bookman's is a local I believe it's local and I looked it up earlier <laughs> it is a book exchange, book exchange a media used bookstore um they also carry new books and all kinds of cool stuff but um, just kind of looking through and seeing, you know, what cookbooks have been recently released and was there anything good? Uh, there were some really pretty ones, but that's kind of what got me on the thought of like, what is the practicality of cookbooks? The three tiers of cookbooks. Yeah. Which are? Three tiers, in my opinion, obviously this is always all in our opinion, mm-hmm. but you have. But it's probably right. <laughs> you have the art books. Which are just the pretty ones to look at that you're Mm -hmm. like, I'm probably never going to make any of this food, but I enjoy the aesthetics of this book. Mm -hmm. You have the the textbooks. I don't want to pay for culinary school. Yes, because you can straight up buy culinary textbooks. I have one. (laughs) It's a real thing. And I didn't get it from my school. Our school had only digital 
cookbooks, which was just the stupidest crap. And Probably then, why you don't use actual cookbooks in your okay, cooking. Well, get this. So we had to handwrite recipe cards every week. And then we would get graded on it, whether or not we did them. I'm very lazy, especially if you're going to make me handwrite something. So I would write down the ingredients, the measurements, and like three words to describe the steps. So mm. I'd already read the recipe. I already Smart. knew what we were making. And they were like, this isn't a recipe. And I was like, I can still make it, though. And I got in trouble a lot for... For not doing the assignment. because <laughs> not doing the, the assignment. Um, even though, even though it turned out, uh, so you have those and then you have, there's like an in-between. I don't know, like a good category name for this, the, the chef liberty endorsement one. Uh, yes, those, but I think also just like the cookbooks that you might buy because one or two recipes looks good. But then after that, you're kind of like, well, I got what I wanted out of it. Have you ever looked at a cookbook and been like, there's two recipes in here I want to try. I'm going to buy the book. I don't feel like that's, I don't, is that how people shop? I don't know. Okay. But that would be like that. I guess that's how I would classify it. Like I have a few that like, maybe I've cooked only like two or three recipes out of mm-hmm. and use it more as like a reference of like, okay, this is how they do things. Sure. But I don't necessarily think that I am the target customer for cookbooks. Yeah, we've talked about that before where you're like, I just don't understand where it's like, well, it's not for you. (laughs) But I think they can be a really valuable tool Mm -hmm. if you want to learn cooking, but only if that's your learning style. Sure. Because I think learning new techniques without, like some of the textbook ones don't have visuals, (sighs) which is like not helpful for a lot of people. The textbook that you're talking about specifically is also like a baking and pastry textbook, which is basically half of the book is this is how you weigh stuff out correctly. And then the other half of the book is origami without, (laughs) without pictures, without pictures. (laughs) It's like, all right, now you're going to braid it seven times. You're going to take the first seam and you're going to press it inside of the third seam. And then you're going to take that and you're going to invert it. And then you're going to fold it in half twice and then on the fourth flip over for your book turn, and you just stare at your book and you go, <laughs> I don't like this anymore. You have this dough and you're like, what do I do with this now? What's well, funny? Just start poking it. Because I asked you to proofread. I just finished teaching a cooking class for kids. We did um, dumplings around the world. And I gave them each a cookbook on the last day of all the recipes that we had done in class. I typed it up, put it in a new format, made it really pretty. And writing out some of the instructions for making more difficult than you had anticipated way honestly why did I do that why did I pick that it's so hard and so I people who do publish cookbooks and like who write them and test them and do all that like kudos to them because it's not easy it's a lot of work um especially when it comes to folding things which is all your dumplings were (laughs) exactly like typing out the fillings oh that's so easy like you mix it all together. You set it aside. It's not a big deal. This is the meat and potatoes. It goes into dumpling. Well, and even the reference um, recipe that I used for the samosas um, that we had made in class, they didn't describe what they were doing. They said, and see picture one. <laughs> Just like, yeah. We're course. not even a mess with trying to articulate right. this. Right. So you think, you know, based on that, there's kind of different levels of like, cook to cookbook mm-hmm. where it's like if you don't know a certain level of cooking certain cookbooks are just not going to be helpful for you yeah 
there's going to be the, your basic cookbooks, your, your, you teach you how to do stuff, cookbooks, your, oh, what's my number one? I think that we should talk about our number one most used cookbooks because I think that's funny. Okay. Because mine is the ultimate peanut butter one that I got when I was like <laughs> 10. Because I think I've made probably like six or so recipes out of that book. And I'm not one that's ever really used cookbooks all that much. I didn't cook that much growing up. And still don't cook that much. (laughs) More of a cleaning kind of guy sometimes when the moon's just right. Um, I think the only thing... Have you ever cooked anything out of there for me? I don't think so. Out of the peanut butter one? I don't think so. Other than maybe like a peanut butter ice cream or something like that. Does that one have a... um, Shoot, I can't think of what it's called. The ice cream marshmallow. (laughs) Fluffernutter? Oh, semi-fredo. Semi-fredo. Does that one have a semi-fredo recipe? I don't know why. I think it's worth pausing and reflecting on <laughs> that whole exchange between us. Yeah, because I, what did, you, what were you, I don't even understand how I got to fluff or nutter. No, uh, they said ice cream oh, marshmallow. Marshmallow, and I was thinking peanut butter and marshmallow. I just ignored you entirely, and it was like peanut butter and marshmallow is a fluff or nutter. <laughs> that's how we got there. Okay. But we got there, and that's what mattered. Uh, yeah, there is a peanut butter semi fredo recipe in there. I think you have made that for me, actually. Mm hmm. Um, my most used cookbook is the Ivan Ramen cookbook. Yeah. Um, and you've used that one like three times. Yeah. I, I'll be honest. Every time Big I cookbook fan guys. Well, so I count, like I counted roughly, if you, if you, I estimated how many books we have and we have over 30 food, wine and coffee books. Mm-hmm. And for some people, that's a lot for other people's that's very small amount, but I was like, wait a minute. I think I've probably cooked like six recipes out of these like sure. 30 books in total. But I like having them around um, for two reasons. They're really beautiful. I Sometimes I'll just flip through. Except for the ones that aren't. Well, those. Looking at you, the curious cook by Harold McGee. <laughs> I don't know. I was looking at our collection the other day and I saw that That's one. So and I was funny. like, That's a, that, that book's just chilling. Um, Do we still have the haunted book? Yes, I do have the haunted book. So that's the best part about a cookbook collection is that sometimes <laughs> there's one that's haunted and it shows up out of nowhere. Uh, that's the bread one, right? It's the James Beard, like Beard on Bread. Yes. So that book just appeared in our library. We don't know how that got here. I. It was funny because years into our relationship, we looked at each other and you're like, do you want this book anymore? And I can't remember which one of us <laughs> started it, but the other one went, I thought that was your book. And then I thought that was your book. And to this day, <laughs> it just sits there hoping that it, we re- don't realize that it's neither of our books. Yes. Um, and then the other books I like to have on hand are the ones that are like um, cuisine specific, because I think those ones are really cool. Um, Faded makes some really gorgeous cookbooks. I have three of them now. Um, is that how that word is pronounced? I think so. P-H-A-I-D-O-N. Faden. Faden, fight on. I don't know. Um, I have the Lebanese cookbook, the Nordic baking book, and then um, Charlene <laughs> gave me the Never Trust a Skinny, skinny chef. chef. It's like an Italian cookbook, though. Yeah, it's um, Massimo Batura. Yes. Um, gorgeous books. They look great. Good publishing house. Really great recipes. And the, I actually think that I have enjoyed um, almost the writing in them. As like more than the recipes, because obviously I just don't follow recipes very well. 
Um, but reading about the different cultures and the traditions, mm-hmm. I really like that. So we keep those ones around. <laughs> sure. I mean, it's funny because there's so many different types of cookbooks where there's like the celebrity backed cookbook. If it's someone that you particularly enjoy. For me, my favorite one that we have in that regard, and you got it for me recently, was the Maddie Matheson's Homestyle Cookery. Yeah. Cookery! Cookery! But that one is written in his voice entirely. So whether or not it was him writing it or him, like, dictating and someone else, like, writing in his voice more or less, like, top-tier entertainment if you're into some some funny loud boy nonsense. <laughs> yeah, I would... I've. I think I made one recipe out of that book. I made the cauliflower dish because you're like, oh, that sounds good. Yeah. And it was good. Um, but like generally, I don't cook <laughs> cookbooks. And I think part of that for me is the practicality of it because as a book person, I don't want to get my books dirty. But as a person with a multi-hundred dollar phone... Throw, I dump shit on that throw constantly. That, throw that stuff in flour, bread it, fry it. Honestly, that's a really good point. I've never thought about that. You've never thought about the fact that you're worried of damaging our $20 books, but you have a $700 phone, maybe, if it's worth that much anymore? Well, it's probably not. A more expensive than a book phone? Hmm. It's an interesting proposal. I'm just telling you that <laughs> we don't do it because we're... We don't have a book stand. If we just had a nice little book stand so you can give your kitchen lectures. Yeah, we could get a book stand. I, I would be interested in that. I think actually, and we were talking about this earlier, is the most practical thing that we have of any cookbooks is. It's also book. the least practical. It's the least practical and the most practical in different senses. Um, if anyone's familiar with uh, Modernist Cuisine, they put out, was it seven or eight books with the in- initial launch. I think the initial Modernist cuisine library was, I thought it was only five. Oh, but I it was like wrong. an ungodly amount. A lot of, of content. And yeah. it was, they were big, thick tomes. You can use them for defense weaponry. Right. Um, and they were geared more towards actual chefs and the different techniques that you can Yeah, use. geared toward the restaurant industry and playing around with hydrocolloids and yeah. really capitalizing the, the foams and dots of the aughts. <laughs> The, it was like the molecular gastronomy Bible. Um, our first Christmas together, I bought you the home cooks version, mm-hmm. which is still this really giant book, but it's really gorgeous, really fun to look through. Yeah. Not, and you were really into that stuff at the time. Yeah, I was, I was, I was still in my modernist phase. I'm a very <laughs> modern boy. Now I'm postmodern. You've always been such a hipster. Such a hip, such a hip fellow. Um, but that one comes with this like really big, beautiful book. And then it comes with this spiral bound, um, like recipe book that is it's laminated. It's plastic. You could spill crap on that all day long and it would be totally fine. And just wash it off. And I was thinking like, why are more books not like this? Well, it's because it's ugly. Well, it's wildly ugly. (laughs) And it's just an unpleasant material. In general, like no one wants to play around with laminated cards, basically. But it's so smart, though. And Mm -hmm. I think to include both, like... Well, that one, I I think that book, it understood that people are going to potentially want to use it, but not crack... I mean, the actual tome Yeah, you couldn't just put it on the counter. What, 15 pounds? Yeah. Like, it's an obnoxiously large book. It's probably not that much, but it's still not something that you can just, like, crack open on your counter and be like, all right, I'm going to hold this page and 
it's going to be a fun time. So <laughs> they needed to come up with uh, and had the money to build two books where it's, one of them is just the art installation. Yes. And the, I don't, it's not even fun to read on your lap. Like that, it no, is it's an a unpleasant it's book. A, it's as far a as like size. It's a coffee table book. It's a display piece. It's a coffee table book that you could use as a coffee table. Out of Seinfeld. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of them are like that though, where it's like, it's a really big, beautiful book, but it's not necessarily something you can use mm-hmm. easily. Um, for example, I would say, um, and I was going to ask you too, like what you think makes a good cookbook. But one of the ones that I really like that I was gifted last Christmas is the America's Test Kitchen Complete Recipe Guide. It's got all of the recipes from their show from when it started to last year. Uh, Yeah, something like that. 2020 or 2021. Yeah, 2021. 20, I think, actually. So we're a year behind now. I'll have to go get the new one. (laughs) Ooh, the revised, revised edition. Um, And it's not that those recipes are life-changing or spectacular. It's going to be something you've never eaten before. But they're like the perfect basic starting point for anything. All of their recipes are technically very sound. Yes. And it's the book that I look through when I'm just like, I don't know what I want to eat. Mm-hmm. And it's stuff that's it's accessible. It's ingredients that you can find at your grocery store. And it's basic technique and builds on basic technique, which I think... Mm-hmm. for a lot of home cooks is actually how you level up is by making those recipes and understanding the techniques that they're trying to teach you. Mm-hmm. So then you can go apply that to other things. Yeah. I think that one is probably one of the, I, I agree that that's one of the nicer books that we own as far as like practicality and like all the recipes in there are solid again, like not, it's not going to change your life. never going to be something that you, well, I mean, maybe if it's something you've <laughs> I guess had it before. depends on how bad you're eating at home. Well, I mean, it's like the correct way to make lots of basic things. Yeah. Like it is basically a, a basics textbook and it's not the most aesthetically pleasing, but it's not bad. It's not either. bad. Yeah. Anyone that's watched America's Test it Kitchen. Fits the show or, perfectly. Like, it's it, it's that. So if you like the show, like the YouTube shorts or whatever it is that you watch of them, then you will enjoy it. And if not, then you should try it because it's good. Yeah. For sure. And I think, too, like almost like just barely fits into the cookbook categories like the theory books. Um, I know like salt, acid. What is that book called? Salt, fat, acid, heat. That's it. That one, it does have recipes in it. But the, the thought is more to learn the theory of cooking. And I actually think that like if you want to be a better cook, those types of books are actually going to get you further mm-hmm. than being someone who can go, oh, yeah, I, I can make this recipe. And if I don't have it in front of me, I don't know how to cook. Sure. Those books are pretty good. I The theory ones are, are fun. I, I personally am not the biggest fan of reading through them a lot of times. I sure. feel like it's because they're like they're not made for me like there's lots, I don't know, there's always more to learn, but a lot of times books like that are written kind of um, handholdy where it's like, did you know that if your dish is really fatty and round, then some uh, it might need some lemon? I'm like, yep, I didn't know that. That's <laughs> Well, I think, again, that goes back to... That's how I made accidental cheese. Oh, my God, that was terrible. Um, 
that they're not written for us. Mm -hmm. I think we fall into this weird category of we know too much. (laughs) There's always still more to learn. Yeah. But there's hardly that many cookbooks that are going to be made that there's not a big enough market of, I feel like, like there's some things like the fermentation books that Noma are putting out where it's like, yep, that's a lot of stuff that I don't know much about, but also I'm not starting my own misos or anything at home. <laughs> not I want today, to, maybe tomorrow. Have room for it. Um, I, I kind of disagree with you because I think there's a lot of really great cookbooks that hit different regional cuisines. Sure. And more of traditional recipes or like, these are my family's recipes and this mm-hmm. is like, my thing and then you could get into the whole argument about being authentic but um everybody eats the same (laughs) but i think the problem that you run into is now you've cooked everything in that book and now you gotta go buy another one sure um which is if you collect books it's a great trade-off yeah because you incentivizes Whereas I tend to lean more towards um, online recipes. Yeah, you like playing with your phone. I like spilling stuff on my phone. It's the pro move. Um, It's what serious home cooks do. Yeah, obviously, guys, first ruin your phone. 10 out of 10. Um, But the reason that I like online recipes so much and food blogs specifically, I'm, I don't like the 37 paragraphs I have to scroll past. Thank God for the jump to recipe boat button. Um, but I, what I like is being able to look at six different versions of a dish mm-hmm. and read all those recipes and then figure out either if there's one I really like and stick to that or are there pieces from each one and kind of pull those together mm-hmm. and make kind of an amalgamation of Sure. The dish. Yeah, that's definitely um, that's the style that you use most often is trying to find as many versions as possible and <laughs> play around with it. I think it's funny, like a lot of the cookbook stuff too, like you just, I don't know, I don't watch you cook all that often. So I don't know if and when you ever do use a cookbook, if you're actually out there like measuring, if you're like, ah, uh, yes, the gist Unfortunately, I, do, I think I do fall into the gist. I've obviously learned that you can't bake like that. Um, unless it's my one cookie recipe that I just literally guesstimate 98% of the ingredients. But That's upsetting. <laughs> um, but I would say we, even when I read cookbooks, I'm looking at the ingredients. I don't necessarily measure to the exact and then i'm looking at the procedure because i think cookbooks aren't for you (laughs) that's the takeaway get her a cookbook okay she'll appreciate the art it's not because i can't follow the recipe it's just because i don't feel like i need to (laughs) i mean that's fair and it has only failed me like a dozen times which is not enough for me to learn or be better i think well it's funny too like cookbooks are interesting because there's if you stick by it hard and fast, like it doesn't always turn out well too. Right. I think that kind of speaks back to what you were talking about. Like, yeah, you followed the recipe, but the recipe was faulty. So now what? Right. And I think also that lends itself again to the theory books where it's like, it's almost more important to know how to fix a recipe than it is to be able to follow one. Right. Um, for example, like when I fixed your accidental cheese. Yeah. I mean, there was, that was a 
good time. I had, <laughs> I had cheese in that dish, and that was. I'm trying to remember. You were making like a creamy pasta. Yeah, I'd, and then I just and I'd put lemon into like cream sauces all the time, but that time it was too hot, I think, and it just broke and turned it curtain away. Yes, if you add as much acid as you did to that much dairy when it's near boiling. It will separate and you will have accidental cheese. That's science, baby. And it's one of those things, too, where you can't necessarily fix it. Like, it was going to be gritty no matter what you did because you're not going to uncurd the cheese. Um, but obviously, like... Put the way back in the curds. Cheese does have a melting point and, like, a little more cream in there and you mix it. And it it's fine. It's fine. Fair enough. I think that at the end of the day cookbooks are they're just fun to have around i like them even though i don't do that much cooking if any uh, but <laughs> I, I i do enjoy the cookbook collection that we have okay. although i don't know if like because we're still in the season of giving out gifts is there one that you've seen recently where you're like that's that's a nice looking book i want that you said Ooh. you went to the store recently and that's a hard one um you just want more of the different Fight I on really ones, right? like those ones because I like how in depth into cuisine they go. Actually, the, I want the Thailand one. Mm. Um, gorgeous cover, really beautiful. Um, it looks like it's got a lot of really good recipes in it. But that would be does my it pick. Have oyster mushrooms with <sighs> tempura, no, probably and not spicy, spicy bitties. Oh, I didn't tell you yet. Tribute Pizza out in San Diego is doing uh, like a Philly cheesesteak, but they're doing it. It's vegetarian with fried oyster mushrooms. Mm, and I want to eat that. <laughs> that's, that sounds good, but weird because the I don't think texturally a fried mushroom with like a crispy coating is going to match up to cheesesteak. It's still going to taste good, though. And that's and that's what made all the difference. <laughs> Do you have a, a recommended one for gift giving or one that you've seen recently that would be? Um, well. I guess you read more of the wine books and stuff. Are there any of those that you recommend for anybody that wants to learn more about wine? Well, it really depends on how dry of a read you want. <laughs> um, I like my wine like I like my books. Sweet and sultry. I think that I'm trying to think. There, I mean, there's lots of good books on wine. Um, Windows in the World. Um, I can't remember the author of that one, but then you've got like The Wine Bible by Karen McNeil um, by the most revised edition that there is because wine changes pretty continually. That's one of the things that I would say. Uh, it's a con of the cookbook. Well, it's a con of the cookbook, but it's especially a con of the wine book because. Sure. Even coffee. Like wine, coffee, things that are based on weather, because there's this, there's this, it's getting warm out there, guys. So, <laughs> um, some things that were true five years ago aren't necessarily true, even when it comes to like different wine laws. Like different places are constantly having to reevaluate and, and make revisions. So I would say that there's definitely good books, but then also you have to use that in conjunction. If you want to like be correct, you have to use that in conjunction with different websites like Guildsom and things like that to stay up to date because of how frequently it changes every year and you can't make a new book every year and new revisions don't happen every year. I think that one of the 
most used like wine references is like the wine atlas and i think it's only on its eighth edition but it's been around for a long long time and like you can't you can't update it often enough so (laughs) i think that that probably is one of the things that's hardest too about just getting into like having books like obviously having the reference material like good recipes don't change Mm-hmm. But continuing to stay up to date with mother sauces are still mother sauces, baby. Exactly, staying up to date with recipes. Um, I also think that it's really funny when anything calls itself the Bible of, like recipes, mm-hmm. like the flavor Bible, the coffee and wine, or what is it, like food and wine Bible, or something like that. The like, wine Bible is one that I yeah, have the wine Bible have. that you have. Um, solely because like. You just can't put everything in there. Like, it's just, there's no... Just like the actual. (laughs) 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 Gotta make some cuts. (laughs) Um, Like, you can't smush it all into one book because there's just no way. That book would have to be just gigantic for any topic. And has to constantly be evolving. Exactly. It's always changing. There's always more information coming out. Things are always new. So I think a combination of, like, yeah, have cookbooks learned, but also like the internet's pretty cool, guys. The wild world out there, the <laughs> wild world web, as it's as they say. So I don't know if any of that was helpful, but basically, keep getting us cookbooks because we like to hoard them. Yeah, they're pretty. They look good on the shelf. And when push comes to shove, we can insulate our house with all the paper. <laughs> <laughs> I think. If I have to give an actual cookbook recommendation, it's got to be my Maddie Matheson one because that one's just funny to read. There's a whole separate genre of them where it's just you buy them because you like supporting whoever the person is that wrote it, regardless of whether or not you think they're an actual cook or anything like that. Yeah, exactly. Like your, what is it, Fifty Shades of Chicken? <laughs> oh, my God. We should have done a, a cold open of you reading a passage from Fifty Shades of Chicken. Well, we'll do better next we'll time. We'll do it on TikTok. I'll just uh, it'll be a bedtime stories with Jonah. <laughs> you can read it to the pug. <laughs> Good night, sweet pug. She's about the size of a chicken. That whole thing can get. And chicken is her favorite word. Oh yeah, she's probably mad right now that we're talking about it. <laughs> sweet. Well, well, I think that's all I have for today. And then next week, I think we should do our our end of year food awards. We need to come up with a, a fun name. Oh boy. Because I don't want like you can't call them the foodies. That's stupid. We'll call them the. Top Influencer Picks Foodies 2022. Best all time. (laughs) Greatest ever. The first because they're number one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I can't think of anything else either, and I gotta go stir the cheese. Thank you for listening to Love, Food, Hate, Money. This podcast is edited by John Watkins of Feather Fiction Studios. He also does our original music. And he just had uh, his full-length album come out. So uh, go check out Damn the Weather um, and their new album. It's really great. We're big fans. We probably stream it the most (laughs) of anyone so far. like, if not the most, the second most. Yeah. uh, we still have t-shirts. We've got new stickers. Um, I'm rebuilding the website from scratch because I hate myself. Um, we're really hoping to be a place where you can um, get my really poorly written recipes. So stay tuned for that. Courtney's just the gist. 
Um, it's just gonna be like the the middle portion of the Great British Baking Show where I give you the ingredients. Welcome and, like, to this week's technical challenge. Three description, like describing words on like how to make it, and you can figure it out. She got uh, some sort of awards, Kuma Samlade or whatever, in culinary school with her three-word recipes, guys. So you gotta stay tuned. I, was, I did get an award. I was the honors to honor student. Um. Yeah, so stay tuned for that. Catch up with us on social media. Um, you have been getting some more hate comments. I have? Um, Why are you holding them back from me? Jess is mad at you. Oh, She's that's... a bad person, and I agree with her. Mm. Well, you won't be the first, and you won't be the last, <laughs> and that's what I appreciate. <laughs> so we'll get to responding to those this week. Um, but thank you for joining us. Thank you very much, everyone. Bye. Bye. I made a mess. <laughs>